So as as some of you know, I took these uh, verses in Luke, which is also in Isaiah 61, as my personal mission. So every day, this is what I do in my life. Uh, Today, I happen to work for an organization that's helped older people in poverty, but uh, over the years, um, I've done done all sorts of things. And this personal mission has meant my life has been an adventure. And uh, it's taken me into prisons, working alongside homeless people, creating church community centers uh, in those in most need in our poorest communities in this city and Cardiff and in Bulgaria, of all places. I'll come to some of my stories later, but what I really want to do this morning in my soapbox sermon is to share something of God's heart for those who struggle in life and those who are poor and those who are dispossessed. So to start with, let's go to the Bible. That's a good place to go, isn't it? Amen. (laughs) Thank you, sister. (laughs) There are over 2,000 references to poverty in the Bible. It is that important to God. And I'm going to go through some of those. I'm not going to do all 2,000 this morning. Don't worry, because we'll be here all day. But I'm going back as far as Exodus and Leviticus and some of the early, early chapters of the Bible um, and some of the commandments that were given uh, in relation to those who are poor. And God legislates for the poor in those early commandments. So hold, hold it with me as I go through some of these verses. Exodus 22 says this, Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless, the most dispossessed people. Do not take advantage of them. Exodus 22, 25. If you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. Okay? And if you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it at sunset because the cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in when they cry out to me? I will hear, for I am compassionate. It's pretty strong, isn't it? Exodus 23, do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Well, what a very, very modern commandment. For those of you who know the law, if you're poor, your chances are quite slim in a court. Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourself know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. Remember where you've come from, says the Lord. The people of Israel were dispossessed. They ran away from the Egyptians. And they were in the wilderness. And they were foreigners in other people's lands. Leviticus 25. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner stranger, so they can continue to live among you. Again, do not take profit or interest from them, but fear your God that they may continue to live among you. So in other words, treat people with generosity. Don't use it as a business deal. And I love this one. And it, 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 this is about gleaning. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right to the edge. Neither shall you gather gleanings after your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And all of us will remember the book of Ruth. When she went round and she collected after the harvest had been... Because that was the law. There was always left for somebody else. And in fact, in this country, gleaning went right through into the 19th century. People left a proportion of their their crop for poor people to pick up. These rules were not optional. They were commandments. 
Be under no illusion God cares for those who suffer in poverty, oppression and injustice in whatever form it takes. Don't worry, I'm not, I'm, I've got a few more verses to share with you. Deuteronomy 15:11. For there will never cease to be poor in your land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother and sister, to the needy and to the poor in your land. And you remember that Jesus said, the poor are always with you. Do you remember that verse? Yeah, that's not an excuse. It's not an excuse, oh, well, they're just with us. It's saying the poor will always be with you. So you better look after them. 1 Samuel 2, 8. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. And that's about the future. The poor people, those who are suffering in poverty, will one day inherit a seat of honor in God's kingdom. Then we're coming away from commandments now into Proverbs, wise, godly sayings. And again, here's just two examples from Proverbs. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for their deed. Isn't that nice? If you're giving money, if you're supporting people who are struggling, you're lending to God. And another one, Proverbs 14, a bit stiffer this. Whoever presses the poor insults his maker or her maker. Those who are generous to the needy honor him. They honor God. I love that verse. And then we have some encouragement. We've had some law. <laughs> we've had some nice sayings. And now we've got some encouragement from Isaiah. Isaiah 1 verse 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. And plead the widow's cause. Great verse that. I love that. And this one I found very helpful over the years. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. I love that passage because sometimes the stuff I've done has been really hard. And actually that verse has kept me going. It really has at times. I could go on. As I said, I'm not going to read all 2,000. But you get the picture. Of course, the Old Testament were the scriptures that Jesus knew. He had the Old Testament scriptures. And he frequently quoted them in his mission uh, when he walked this earth. And today, in our reading, he quotes Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Well, what a fantastic... I love this. But only yesterday, I was at a party, um, a friend of mine in in, uh, Shrewsbury, and I got talking to some people, and we shared that verse again, and my heart leapt. I love it. So Jesus is the embodiment of God's good news for the poor. If you continue to read through Luke's gospel, you will find in Jesus the poor are blessed. The poor are subject of the good news. They are invited to the banquet when other guests do not appear. The poor, such as Lazarus, receive special attention and favor. And Jesus challenges the rich man to give away his wealth to to the poor, to demonstrate his faithfulness. And we all know he went away sad because he couldn't let go of his money. Zacchaeus' immediate response to Jesus was to give all his money to the poor. What a conversion. The poor widow's offering in the temple receives Jesus' notice, an exemplary gift. You'll remember that time when that lady put all she had, it was just a few pence, into into the pot. And Jesus said she's given everything not just a bit of what she has. So who are the poor that Jesus is referring to? 
Interestingly, as I look through the commentaries, there's very little. But I did find an online sermon, <laughs> desperatepreacher.com. No, it wasn't really. I found this from Daryl Gwaltney, who is Dean of the School of Religion at Belmont University in Nashville. And I'm going to read an extract, because I really like what he said. Because it is scholarly, by the way, as well. It's not just some guy banging on about poverty. The term for the poor, toshos, refers to those who are abjectly poor or utterly destitute. The most common term for poor in the Hebrew Bible, ani, carries with it the notion of economically poor, but also suggests the idea of oppression, exploitation, and suffering. Poverty does not solely reflect a lack of resources. Rather, it reflects the inability to make choices with one's life and one's family. Poverty always reflects the poor and the domination systems that people have upon individuals, a kind of power and domination that removes life choices. When Jesus stands before the synagogue and announces he will bring good news to the poor, he's effectively saying he will give them the opportunity to make some choices in their lives. The lives they will live will now have the option of a relationship and participation in the kingdom of God. I thought it was a really good summary of, of what this passage is about. And I think he really has hit the nail on the head. If you're poor and dispossessed, basically you don't have many choices. In our own country, we've seen a dramatic rise of people who are struggling to make ends meet. I'm not being political here. This is not a political. This is biblical. So we've got families having no choice to accept food from a food bank. And a few weeks ago, we heard from the sisters of the church. And they told about the people who are queuing up for food. Young and old are having to make a choice between heating and eating. That isn't a choice, by the way. That is not a choice. Those who end up homeless for an array of reasons. And believe you me, having worked with homeless people for the best part of 16 years, it isn't a choice. Most people do not want to be homeless. They find themselves in those positions because of a variety of circumstances. And then there's those who come to our shores fleeing war, poverty and oppression. And again, I'd argue that that's not a choice. So what is our response as Christians? I think we just need to... It's easy to beat ourselves up. I just want to remind ourselves of a few things that we perhaps need to think about. It's a kind of aid memoir, if you like. Firstly, we have to take notice of God's word. It's clear when God says you've got to love him with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself, that that is loving our neighbors. If we want to honor God... We have to love our neighbor. Our neighbor might be next door. Our neighbor might be in this city or someone who needs fresh water in Africa. It doesn't make any difference. They're still our neighbors. Secondly, who is going to enact Jesus' proclamation that he brings good news to the poor? Us. That's who? Us. The early church and disciples certainly did this in great measure. The New Testament is full of examples. And the part that we play is between us and God. And we need to, need to be open to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Have you ever been prompted by the Holy Spirit to go and do something for someone? To give some money or whatever it, people need? We get these promptings, don't we? I need to do something about that. Just listen to it. Don't ignore it. <laughs> Thirdly, we need to recognize that if we're blessed with economic resources... 
It isn't because we're any better than anyone else. It lies in the fact that our circumstances have enabled us to be in this position. Some years ago, I was involved in setting up a church community center in St. Melons in Cardiff. It actually still is one of the most deprived estates in Britain. And one day I saw a young girl in a, a, I think it was an orange kind of hoodie thing. She was about the same age as Naomi, our eldest daughter at the time. And as I looked at her walking across this estate on her own, I thought, what that chant, what chance does this little girl have? Living here on this estate with really, really awful social problems. To give, you, to give you a little example of what it was like, the school and social services were in the same building. So you could take your child to school and then you could go to see social services and the benefits office. Quite frankly, her life chances were really poor just because she happened to be born in that place. My own daughters, of course, had a much better start in life, but they didn't do anything to deserve that. They just happened to be born to me and Laura. And I often think about this. I'll also never forget those children I met in the orphanage in Bulgaria. And I've used this illustration before, but I don't, I'm going to say it again. When we took bananas and chocolate for these, these kids in this orphanage, the children and, and the young people, some of them were a teenager as well, came running out for these bananas and chocolate. I just burst into tears. I thought, these could be my children. Just because they were born in Bulgaria, just because they were born to a family that either didn't want them or could no longer look after them. And there was a little boy there who carried a rucksack with him all day. This rucksack was full of goodies given by the church at Christmas. And basically, he went to bed with it because he didn't want to lose the things in it because the other children would steal them from him. Just because he happened to be born in Bulgaria at that time. And it's the same for around the world. But it wasn't all bleak because two pastors, Paul in St. Melons, and Teddy and his wife, Diddy, listened to Jesus' words and set up projects with my help to help these dispossessed children and their families. I will never forget Teddy's words. I see suffering in Bulgaria, and as a Christian, I cannot stand idly by. Those words will be with me forever. I cannot stand idly by. Finally, the world is constantly encouraging us to compare ourselves with people who have more. And I confess I get caught up in it too. If you read every advert, it's all people who seem to have got everything. They've got the lovely families, their big huge car, the big house, the whatever it is. They're eating amazing food. When I was working for homeless charity Emmaus, those who came to us had absolutely nothing. No home, no family, no money no possessions except that which they carried with them. And some of them had no identity in the sense that they didn't have any bank account. They certainly wouldn't have had a passport. And I still remember this day, one person turning up with two carrier bags. And that's all they had in the world, two carrier bags. And at that point, I realized just how rich I was. Supremely rich in comparison with that guy. And it wasn't just the fact that I was better off. 
I have a lovely church family. I've got a family. I've got people who love me. I've got friends. That is wealth indeed. And this person had none of that. To finish with, it's very easy to perhaps see service to those in need as a duty. It shouldn't be. It should be a joy. We should be so open to the Holy Spirit in our lives that we just want to bless other people. So I'm going to end up with Galatians 2 verse 10. Only they asked us to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. Amen.